I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 363 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast. Which the, the peak was before the clap, so you will never hear it. Oh, that's true. Uh, we were talking about how uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, when she made Sister Act 2, uh, was paid more than any actress had ever been paid at that time. And maybe since. I don't know. Uh, that I don't know if that movie was any good or not. I suspect that it wasn't. But maybe it's just outside of my interest. I feel like a lot of the time your big payday comes right after you do your greatest thing. Uh, yeah, that might have been on the heels of her winning an Academy Award. So Whoopi Goldberg is an EGOT, somebody who's won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony, one of just a handful of people. That's incredible. Um, and I was looking up what the uh, what the Oscar was for. And she's been nominated for an Oscar twice, once for The Color Purple and once for Ghost. And the one that she won was Ghost, <laughs> which wow. seems bananas. Okay. That might be a similar thing to, like, maybe Sister Act 1 was the good movie and Sister Act 2 is the one you get paid for. I see. So, like, she got snubbed because somebody – there was just a – there was, like, a undeniable other Best Supporting Actress yeah. winner – the year that yeah, the color purple came out and so they just gave it to Whoopi for ghost like they gave peter jackson the or Lord people the just Rings, didn't like uh, purple. return of the king yeah it was it was kind of like i think that <laughs> award was more like for like you did the whole series you didn't fuck it up good job hmm. as opposed to that one movie being especially good it would have been funny if uh demi moore had won the oscar for ghost and patrick swayze had come up behind her while she was accepting <laughs> the award and helped her fondle the, the oscar <laughs> okay uh-huh <laughs> That, that that should have been like they do sketch comedy at the Oscars, don't they? I mean, or Whoopi Goldberg would have come <laughs> behind her. Um, uh, yeah, God, remember when Patrick Swayze had only died once? Oh, did he die? I, I have I forgot that. At this point, I have at this point so internalized his character from Donnie Darko that I think there is a part of my brain that believes that Patrick Swayze was revealed to be a pedophile after he died, <laughs> which is just not true. <laughs> are you sure? Do you well, also think it wasn't that revealed to me? Baby okay, nice. all right. I do, I do. Okay. Uh, and it's weird that Jake Gyllenhaal keeps making movies despite having been killed when that plane engine crashed into his bedroom. Yeah. Um, how's Australia? Uh, it's still good. I'm up in the, I'm up in, what is it, Queensland? This is the, variously been described as the Texas or the Florida of Australia. It's, uh, it's the hmm. sunshine state. It's hot and humid here. Um, I think this is where a lot of people go to, like, vacation, uh, or at least southern Queensland, where it's still, like, a little bit temperate. Um, <clears throat> I went to a town uh, that is basically the Vegas of Australia. It's called Gold Coast. Uh, it's, mm. I think it's actually sort of a conglomeration of several cities. Uh, but one of the cities is called Surfer's Paradise. Um, hmm. Yeah. But it was weird. On, it was a on weird, the nose, don't town. you think? There were like big TV screens do you think, uh, suspended between buildings. And... Do you think Nevin, Nevin Mergen would tweet about uh, the Gold Coast cold ghost? Yes, I think he would. <laughs> um but, did uh, you do any gambling? I didn't do any gambling, but I did get to do what I wanted to up in here in Queensland, which is to hold a koala. 
Oh yeah, that was an extremely cute picture. I saw I saw a photo of that. Yeah, yeah, you took some pictures that definitely look like they look like uh, you're like a an an improv comic who would like to be up and coming. So got some (laughs) very professional photos taken for your posters and brochures. The the koala is his comic partner. Was the koala just like high as a kite the entire time, and that's why it wasn't killing you? That, this Apparently is true of all koalas all the time. To, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, they sleep a lot. Well, so. they're unlikely to kill people, sir, because they're really small, but they could fuck you up. Oh, they sure, they sure could. Serious claws. Uh, but I think you just don't well, my, you don't disturb them. He was he was pretty chill. I don't I don't mean to insert like facts into this comedy podcast, but koalas eucalyptus is like a super it's an opioid. Is it? And it's their basically the only thing they eat. I feel like I read a scientist saying that that's not true. Well, um, well, listen, who are you going to trust, a scientist or well, your friend Jim? Honestly, between my friend Jim and somebody on the on Reddit who said they were a scientist, <laughs> you're right. Okay, maybe I need to do some research about this. Send, send me that Reddit post and I'll... <laughs> yeah, that should be easy to I'll find. I'll do a close reading uh, of it. I have to imagine that it's easy to find a Reddit post from... Uh, or from one of our ago. listeners can write in yeah, and say true. they're a scientist. Yeah, how, many, some... how many koala scientists <laughs> do we have? I bet it's a dozen. once when I was down in Bolivia, and uh, I don't remember getting high at all. It tasted terrible, so I didn't drink very much yeah. of it. So You're not a koala. <laughs> That's true. I'm I've not heard that... I've heard that koalas are so dim that if you take eucalyptus leaves off the tree and put them on a plate and offer them to them that way, they don't know what they are. They don't recognize them as food unless they can eat them off the tree. That totally makes sense to me. Yeah. You can't really train a koala to do anything. The the person who was sort of handling the koala uh, was saying that they're they're not particularly bright. They don't respond to their name. They don't necessarily. Yeah, we just keep them around because they're cute. So they've also got really bad eyesight and good hearing. So maybe they've got like a very rich auditory existence. Ah, okay. Uh, belies their sort of otherwise seeming uh, incompetence or whatever. Uh, I got to feed a bunch of kangaroos, uh, which I, I think like a native Australian would be like, yeah, so what? That's like, it's basically just like feeding a bunch of domesticated deer or whatever. Uh, but it's cool. They are weird animals. Are they, did, were yeah. they all muscly? <laughs> Say what? Yeah, they just, they look like, there are just so many parts of them that just look like the parts of a dude who's going to give you a swirly. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh man, and it'll go around the other way. It's an excellent point. Uh, and then they have, like, with... weirdly human-looking torsos. It's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, it like, is weird. And muscular and stuff. It's, yeah. it's very strange. Just kangaroo and their abs. tails are like the source of a lot of their power. Uh, they're like Samson. <laughs> and they take the money and they're not giving it back. <laughs> yes. They uh, they and they do walk on all fours when they're moving slow. They only hop when they're sort of getting getting somewhere quick, uh, which was surprising to me. So they like spend a lot of time sort of foraging and just moving around slowly on all fours, which which was something that I had not remembered ever seeing before. Um, so besides like my wondrous animal encounters, I also then got to see the pitch drop experiment, which uh, I think to almost oh. anyone else in the world would have been incredibly underwhelming, but I was super excited. So, so how did they give you like an estimate, like about how about how far are we from another drop? About eight years, probably. 
Yeah, okay. So, like, you came, like, right at the most boring part, basically. Well, I think right after it has dropped is probably the most boring part, where there isn't even, like, a drip visible coming out of the the uh, funnel. Yeah, but there's still, there's, like, the, the ambience of, of, like, the excitement that's left over in the room from when it dropped a second ago. Is there really? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've never been in the room. <laughs> Uh, I've never so, been in the room after anything exciting happened. Can I just imagine that it would just turn into a, like a total fuck fest yeah. after <laughs> that thing finally drops? And so the, it's probably the room gets but pretty they musky. They all take turns fucking the pitch. They have a. They have like. Oh a, man! A Speaking of smacking your pitch up, that guy died. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, no. Wait. So is that the the guy with the mohawk or like the actual like? It was the vocal the producer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's the guy I don't care about. I see. But I guess he only sang Firestarter and, like, he didn't actually, the Smack My Bitch Up was just sampled. Right. Did you ever see that YouTube video that's just someone assembling that song from the original samples oh, in, like, no. Logic? That's a real neat how-to, It's yeah. really, really, really compelling to watch. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm sure so. I've linked to it in the video games. I feel like that guy could, well. like, go on Carnegie Hall and, and recreate Smack My Bitch Up. On stage, and people would be inter- interested in it. Uh, with like a with like a symphony playing behind him. Well, okay, they could they could first they play the they, samples. They could live. sample other symphonies. Right. Oh man! If everybody just had a violin with a button on it that just had a tape recorder inside the <laughs> violin that just played a better violinist playing the. Bal- <laughs> Or if they mixed it up by like uh, the violinist has the tape recording of the cellist and the cellist has the oh. timpani, um, and and uh, the, the the timpani recorder's uh, shirt is not blue. What? I don't get it. Yeah, well, it, was, it was like a one of those logic puzzles. Oh, okay, okay. It just, all right. It wasn't yeah. very. Wow. It wasn't very good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. Sorry. Wow. I really thought we were all on the same page there. Or that at least any two of us would be. Well, I guess you guys were all on the same page of not having any idea what the fuck I was talking about. So That's that's a, that's a victory in itself. Yeah. Uh what else? Did you see any other good science? No, I uh I had to I had to like go to the University of Queensland to to see this thing and uh it was very difficult to park, uh and I had to walk through a campus full of like college students and didn't know anything about where it was going really other than a where google maps said that the building was and so uh i was sort of just single-mindedly trying to find this one experiment which was basically just mounted in a you know like a wall display in a hallway (laughs) like it's it is super unceremonious uh i don't know if you just want to be able to get people in and out as fast as possible yeah, like I think I think the problem is that like it's just not it's not that it's not famous enough for most people to care about, right? So uh it doesn't get any kind of prominence or or like special treatment. Um it's just You it's know, just... I thought the pitch drop experiment was in the UK. I thought it was in Britain. And I looking back on it, I think I just think that because I heard someone talking about it in an accent that I thought was a British <laughs> accent, but I can't tell the difference between a British and an Australian accent. That's, that could be. I mean, it's also Queensland, right? Which you would think Britain, right? Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's still arguably part of part of the United Kingdom. Yeah, the sure. sun never sets on the Queensland. Right. What have you been up to, Riff? Hmm. <laughs> Riff. 
I, I did in fact think of something earlier, but I have since forgotten it. Oh no, wait! I did. You can, okay. you can go after me, Riff. I mean, I've got it. Are you, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, this is actually a, a, a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get the opportunity to talk about it. Um, the there was a um, Kickstarter for this super elaborate like puzzle hunt kind of thing in a box uh, called the Wilson Wolf Affair um, that you know, uh, shipped a couple weeks ago and I got it. So I've been playing through that. It's, uh, the, the theming is of like a British cartoon studio in the thirties. So like steamboat Willie style cartoons. Uh, and you get this big box of like papers and memorabilia and merchandise related to this stuff that is like, as you go through it, it becomes clear that these are like the contents of one of the animators desks because you also you get like his diary and some inner office memos and stuff as well and and as you're as you're going through it it becomes clear that the the lead animator and the head of the company are part of some kind of weird cult similar to like Alistair Crowley's stuff and so all the puzzles are so like every every object in this box is is um part of a puzzle or possibly a self-contained puzzle that all adds up to this like elaborate meta puzzle structure of, I guess, determining where the head of this cult is or something so that you can send the police after him. But, uh, uh it, it's kind of cool. It's, uh, it's, a uh, it's, it looks great. It's an amazing like set of props and documents and stuff and everything for the most part is, is really well made. Um, the uh, how much did you pay for this? Uh, I don't remember exactly because it's been like a year since the actual Kickstarter. Um, probably yeah, too much. I'm curious, like is, what is the the only reason? Right, okay, I, I'm I'm curious. Like you don't usually when you see things like this, it depending on the budget you have, you might have like printed materials yeah. or like the 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 idea of having like a something that more elaborate than something you could a simple thing you could 3D print is super compelling just because you don't usually see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, I mean, most of it is printed materials. There's, there's not a lot of like plastic or anything like that, but there is like a, a, uh, uh, like, like a transparency animation cell and, and a couple of posters and they found somebody to make a, a jigsaw puzzle and, and put it in like a, a period accurate looking box and things like that. Okay. Um, yeah. But uh, the the uh, the but only problem with there's so much promotional stuff available to print custom now. Yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard. It's too like we would never do a promotion. Like we would never do a jigsaw puzzle for any reason uh, promotionally. It wouldn't make any sense probably if we weren't going to sell it. Right. We looked into getting custom decks of cards printed, and it didn't make any sense as giveaways. But it also didn't really make enough sense to sell it. So we ended up not doing it until the limited run thing. But like. Mm. Of course, you can get a custom jigsaw puzzle printed. Right? Yeah, and it's probably like ten bucks. I don't know. Per yeah, I mean, especially if you like, if you don't, uh, if you don't have any special requirements for like the way it's cut, like if you don't need special pieces or anything, and they can just use their default die, then, uh, then yeah, I'm, I'm sure there. In fact, I know for a fact that there are places that will do that because uh, I have a. Uh, a file of ideas that I've had for like tricky and difficult jigsaw puzzle tricks that, that I'm just sort of holding on to in case I ever find a place that will do 
custom puzzle cutting for cheap. Uh, but that is, it is not quite there yet. What is, what do you want to spoil one of your tricks? The, The, it's not yet, it's not yet cheap to get a run of jigsaw puzzles with, uh, with custom cuts. Yeah. You could like use a laser cutter and just make it on thin wood that you then print the thing on after it's been cut. Right. Yeah. Well, you probably want to print it onto first and then cut it. As long as it you don't mind having probably be right, super difficult right. to print on. I don't know why the, the why yeah why the fuck did it even occur to me to do it the other way around? Yeah. yeah. Of... <laughs> well, but but yeah, I because that maybe the laser would burn the yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I I there are like late like home home use tabletop laser cutters that are starting to get that cheap, but it's still again not yet cheap enough, or or rather. It is cheap enough if I wanted to make it my job to print and sell these jigsaw puzzles, which I don't. <laughs> so right. I uh, I also did a puzzle thing uh, yesterday. Uh, last night I went to. Uh, I, do you remember what Sandor Weiss's company is called? The Puzzlers League. Mystery League, I think. Mystery League uh, did an event in San Francisco uh, where it was like teams of eight people and you got this pretty nice like canvassy map and a backpack with a lock on it and a bunch of puzzles inside the backpack. Oh, neat. And then uh, a kind of a cool uh, little a thing that he referred to as a computer is really just a kind of a device for you to enter sequences of letters into that it would then reveal some information to you. It was like a wooden box that he had made with like a Raspberry Pi inside it that hmm. um, it's pretty elaborate and cool. Do you How keep many... that stuff? Or you no. Give, you give back? Yeah. Uh, I want to say that he thought that there were only going to be five teams but then ended up selling eight. So it wasn't that wow. big. Um, it's weird. I don't really understand. Like looking at what he charged for it, even with a cost of zero, uh, out of anything other than his travel, like I can't imagine that that made more than like seven or eight hundred bucks. Um, which seems a little weird. I think he's also. Um, this is also sort of a brand building nearish GDC too, right? Like he's he's trying to. I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know if this is a product that he's sold before, but I, I get the impression that he's building these things and sort of testing them out on people for use in corporate team building. Yeah, companies. I guess I guess that's a good point. I mean, because if one person who went to this thing is ever in charge of spending some money for a team building exercise, maybe they'll think of him. Right. And Bay Area seems like um, it was it was good. It was like. At, there were 10 puzzles and they all involved the map in some novel way, which was great. Um, and they, I don't know. It was like, there you was a, about a the, little uh, the set. Puzzle pint set that had that central mechanic with um, the breweries, if, as I recall. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm. Yeah. The, I didn't like, I didn't like that. Uh, there was, there was also the, there was, I feel like there was one that was a big thing. And then there was another one that was like a road trip that, or is that what you're talking about? The I can't remember. The the in those cases. So in that one, the map felt like a big convoluted puzzle itself. 
Like this one, you didn't have to look at the map and figure anything out. You just had to like figure out based on what was happening in the individual puzzle, like what you needed to do with the map, which okay. might have been the same for that puzzle point one, and I just didn't. Um, I don't know. I also don't like things in Puzzled Pint that require you to like tape multiple sheets of paper together. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It just seems cumbersome. I yeah, it is kind of fiddly. I could see that. I like a I like I like a puzzle that I can easily like photograph or scan into my iPad and then solve it on the iPad. Hmm. Because then I can, I can, because they're like, I have like a nice notebook app that it's, or, or even more accurately to say a, uh, like a scrapbook app so that you can, you can keep individual notebooks for like a set of puzzles. And it's just, I don't know, it's a real can, convenient like, and satisfying way to organize that kind of thing. Do you use one of those? Do you use an Apple pencil? Yeah. They're nice. Do you find that that's a good, uh, a good piece of hardware? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially the new one that that uh, like magnetically locks to the side of the iPad and charges that way instead of having to take a little cap off of it, revealing a lightning connector on the end, which was mm-hmm. a real pain in the ass. But the new one is super good. What have you been up to, Jim? So my son has started wolverining bones out of his skull. Say what? Yeah, so say, like say that again. Yes. And there, but think... he's he's teething, but he just has like a full like silver grill. <laughs> oh, teeth. I, I okay. Said, I was what? thinking like skull bones. Oh no! Yeah. Well, I mean, they are. Well, what if his teeth were tiny skulls? Wouldn't that be all fucked up? Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to give me nightmares. Oh, but then when you look closer, they're actually like nude women tastefully arranged <laughs> to look like a skull. <laughs> and then each of those women's teeth is a skull. <laughs> they're actually just skulls, though. Yeah. Not not smaller women. Uh, and so, and maybe related, he's also started to like, whenever he can discern an object in reach, he will reach out for it and try to put it in his mouth. And so this has made, like, we have been, like, for a couple of months now, we've been reading to him before bedtime. And he used to just look at the pictures and listen to our voice, and now he just tries to eat the book. (laughs) And I feel like that's a phase he's going to, like, okay, now we can start, like, in, in like, a month or so, we'll be able to start reading to him again. (laughs) Um, You'll be able to start feeding him books. (laughs) <laughs> or or that well the, there's a reason they make these the, the books for young children they make the the pages like Delicious. 20 times as thick as a regular like they're made of yeah. like cardboard so they're they're hardy you could you could Couldn't i bet you, you could like, print maybe... a book on some baloney oh yeah yeah the, we could read to him nighttime stories from a piece of from a piece of meat and then just hand him the meat. Yeah. And you could say of its author, uh, he really wrote the book on bologna. It's a book about a mouse. <laughs> it could, could be a real artistic a thing too, like that, that uh, William Gibson book that destroys itself while you read it. Except your son destroys it while you read it. Exactly. Do you think they make a combination like laser cutter and waffle iron? Because <laughs> like you could use that to make like, yeah, a bologna puzzle. Like Kevin was saying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Make a make a spam musubi that you have to assemble yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I 
so it seems like you could get him uh, to stop doing this if you just constantly surrounded it. Like, if the only things you ever put within his reach were, like, s- lemon peels and switch cartridges. <laughs> uh, you know, you would think, like, when you feed him something that he doesn't like, he'll make a face and spit it out. And then he'll just excitedly reach for the next bite of it and just eat <laughs> and do it again and repeat the whole process. So he's dumb as shit is what you're saying. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I, I think the, the the impulse to just put literally everything in your mouth overrides like, oh, that one was a bad idea. I'm not going to do that again. Like, I remember my neighbor's kid. It was like two or so was excited every day to get his Flintstones vitamin oh, yeah. and every day just winced at how sour and unpleasant it was. <laughs> so this, I, I have a, a lot of this to look forward to is yeah. what you're no. saying. I mean, that's a kid that's going to grow up to like licorice. Cause that's mm. that same experience. He's going to have like strong, of candies. strong bones and a, and a lustrous coat. <laughs> <laughs> The vitamins and fish oil capsules that you'll feed him. The other thing, like, so Winston has, like, most most of his peers that we know of have started laughing by now, and he still doesn't, he still doesn't laugh, which is interesting. It's in, like an interesting. Maybe you just haven't said anything funny delay, but <laughs> so he's he's Burn. like expressed delight. Um. So I think what's happening is that he's started instead kind of making a black metal growling noise. <laughs> like if we make a funny face at him or tickle him, he will start making a noise like. Are you sure this is not and... like a changeling? <laughs> I can't rule it out. <laughs> like that's not an exaggeration. It sounds pretty much like that. <laughs> Kid's got a deep voice. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. He's got that. uh He's got that storm dancer barrel chest, just <laughs> resonant. Uh, he's a big boy. Uh, um, he's doing well though. Is yeah. the, is te- I, I've, I I hear of teething as like a bad time. Is he in? He's uh, not in constant agony. Well, he seems all right, except he's having a harder time sleeping, which could just be like it could be the teething, or it could just be like he he goes through periods of easier and harder sleep that we haven't been able to figure out the pattern of. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like if my teeth were changing every day, that would also probably be interfering with my sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Depending on I mean, if they're changing into something that was like really big and awkward and like stopped me from having my head on the pillow on the one side or something, then especially. <laughs> like right. if you were growing tusks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, You'd need I, one of those I went in to get CRISPR. I wanted to get CRISPR surgery to uh, <laughs> make me look more like my World of Warcraft character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a good joke, but I bet soon it won't be. <laughs> I don't know that you can CRISPR tusks onto a human, though. Like, I don't know that there is, like, They're tusk DNA secretly hidden in our, in our files. <laughs> Can't you use CRISPR? Is there anything bipedal with tusks? Did I see what? Can't you use CRISPR to like add DNA from other organisms so that you could you could like have bioluminescent skin and like Yeah, yeah, you use DNA. There's a crazy one I read about just today that they like squirted bee DNA or something into a mouse's eye and it was able to see an ultraviolet spectrum for a little while. 
What, like just loose DNA in the eye? I, I, I did not understand the, uh, the technical. That's okay. That's fair. Enough to, so to, Zach, yeah. I, to, to answer your question, you know how cats will sometimes like sit up on their hind legs? Mm-hmm. There are definitely cats with tusks. <laughs> <laughs> or historically have been. <laughs> okay. What? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, would it yeah, have I to guess... be? Would it? Would it have to be something bipedal? Could could they not just take some some boar D, boar face DNA and put that in your face? The boar with the most the face most oh, look like boar's head DNA from the <laughs> local supermarket deli. <laughs> um, I haven't been doing very much other than uh, this is we're currently in the middle of the seven day roguelike. Uh, Whatever it is, it's not a competition. It's not really a. I guess it's a jam. I guess it's a game jam. Sure, it's a challenge. This that's what they call it. The Seven yeah. Day Roguelike Challenge. So most of my discretionary time, uh, whether like it would be gaming or or what, uh, has been spent working on a another quick basic video game. Um, it's Are coming together. It's like documenting it, it, it all like you did the seven hour. I'm not. I decided the seven hour one that I did, it was fine to spend a bunch of time documenting it because the seven hours were not in a they weren't contiguous. Right. Um, whereas I was worried that spending time documenting this would actually take away time that I would need to finish it because this is a much, much, much bigger project. You didn't you didn't count the documentation um, time for the seven hour one as part of the seven hours. No, no, I didn't. I, I very explicitly did like an hour sprint and then wrote down what I did and captured GIF footage of the thing that it, it was a, in the state that it was at the end of that hour. Nice, cool. Um. So yeah, the game is like basically complete. Like I. My plan is to just spend the next couple of days, which is the the last couple of days, uh, just doing like polish and bug fixes and playtesting. Um, but it's uh, it's turned out okay. It's I was talking to to Jim some at dinner about how like because I'm using this kind of fan made modern sixty four bit version of Quick Basic, you can just do the dumbest things that you wouldn't be able to do you wouldn't have been able to do in original quick basic like the entire game world is like a th- a set of 300 by 300 by 5 arrays for just a huge grid at various depths although i did cut the bottom two uh, worlds for scope <laughs> Really, I just made the third one what was going to be the fifth one, and I made the second one what was going to be the second one. Um, uh, But I also, when I made the seven-hour one, I didn't want to put enemies in it because I didn't want to have to deal with, like, keeping track of objects that were moving around in the world. Because, like, A, I don't know what... I know that... Quick Basic has like objects that could act as a little state machine for an autonomous thing moving around, but I don't know how they work. Like I'm not familiar with the actual structure of how objects work in Quick Basic, and also the the like facile way that I'm storing the world didn't really lend itself to having 
like enemies with persistent stats and stuff. But I decided that basically in this game, every enemy was only going to have one hit point. And so they're just done as like a square can be a rock or a tree or a goblin. And oh, so this is like a real cellular automatic. Yeah, it's just cellular. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's weirdly like, and that was the that was the kind of epiphany that I had that allowed me to figure out that I could do this right. So whenever, at least in my generation, I think this is probably fairly universal. The first time you try to make a game of life program. I am guessing that most people fuck it up in the exact same way, which is that you traverse your array from left to right, top to bottom, and you apply the rules to each of the cells, but you don't realize that that's fucking up the way that the rules are interpreted for every cell below and to the right of the one yeah. that you're operating on. And so you, you have to... transform all at once, right, for it to, to work. Yeah, you have to, you have to basically, like, store a copy of the world and have a thing happen to it and then look at it. I didn't exactly do that for this, but I remembering that and just thinking, oh yeah, like this could just be a cellular automata that is a goblin and the goblin has these very specific rules where it's like if the player is to the left of the goblin, the goblin breeds a goblin to the left and then dies. <laughs> and that's that's it. Um, <laughs> but I just sort of then, it breeds a goblin to the left, dies, and then marks the square to the left as already dealt with. Oh. So then the square to the left doesn't get processed again. So the goblin doesn't just like the, the goblin can move one square to the left or infinite squares to the right. Uh, if, if the player is over there, <laughs> now uh, you need to let them generate more goblins uh, without necessarily dying. So you can have goblin gliders and such. There is a late game enemy that just the way that it works is just, it just grows when you're nice. within range of it. Um, I'm only, I'm only doing the math for, it's also like a giant contiguous world, and I'm only doing the math for enemies that are within the sight radius of the player, which is like a, I don't know, it's like a 30 by 30 window into a 300 by 300 world. Um, and so that helps, you know, it's it's still so fast, though. Like, I don't know, I don't know if it's possible for me. I, I realized... At one point, I ran the game and I was like, oh, fuck, something's wrong. This is really slow because it took like five seconds to generate the world instead of the typical no time to generate the world. And I had accidentally put in one of my 300 by 300 loops, I had accidentally had it do another 300 by 300 loop for every square. Oops. <laughs> and so even even squaring the size of this may only made it take like a second to wow. run <laughs> so it's so it, it's so nuts how like sloppy things can be and still work really well which like i've it always kind of known intuitively basic, that right? that's true See, it is yeah and it was very you know it was very quick back in the day but like it only had access to a certain amount of memory and it just like even running it in DOSBox, it's still very slow um because you would just hit the limits of, I mean, you weren't really hitting the limits of the hardware, but you were hitting the limits of like the virtual machine that was interpreting the basic yeah. code running in the hardware. Anyway, I'm I'm pretty excited about this thing. I, I don't know that it's like a super remarkable game, but it, as a project that is coming together more or less the way that I wanted it to, it kind of makes me want to just make like a Metroidvania that works in a NetHack style 
rule set, like the proc gen aspects of this are not particularly interesting. They're interesting to me, but I don't think that they make for a, a particularly significant gameplay experience. Yeah, the, the, the idea of storing objects that you would think of as like a monster running around or even something you can like pick up off the ground as it's just the cell that's on the tile map right now. It's a super interesting constraint to work with. Yeah, because like a goblin can't move past a gold coin. Right. In this context, right? Like, right. And also a goblin can't remember what it did a second ago. Yeah. And a goblin can't have like, I mean, you could have cells that are like, I'm a goblin with three hit points or I'm a goblin with two hit points or I'm a goblin with one hit point. Yeah, capital right. G means two hit points. Yeah. <laughs> or just they, the other weird thing is that QB64 lets you have like 32 bit color in text mode. <laughs> so I have access to like, I have made this thing real fucking ugly um, <laughs> by just having access to every color and no taste. Um, well, it, yeah, it's hard to get worse than the EGA palette. That's true. Um, Although normal text mode is like that 15 color, you know, you've got like a real garish purple and you've got, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you want to like an easy way to do this would be to do like something like grab like the Pico 8 palette, which is a decent 16 color selection and use those. Yeah, I like I like being able to sort of differentiate like in theory, I'm trying to have like more desaturated things be like the ground and yeah. less desaturated things be mm -hmm. things that will block your progress. But I'm not really doing a great job of that. I'm curious how it's going to be how parsable it's going to be to anybody who didn't like write it. I'm curious too. We'll see. I also got a new television. I don't remember if I talked about that on the no on the podcast or not. Is it I a got bigger, a, uh, a bigger television. It is. It's not super. I think it's like 55 inches or something. Um, but it's uh, it's an OLED, and it's. Uh, uh, I'm assuming that what this means is that it has four kilobytes of of uh, RAM. Right. That's a 4K TV. So far, I've only watched Netflix on it, which doesn't look any better at all because it's just like <laughs> low quality streaming video. Is does it doesn't like do frame interpolation to make it a 60 hertz yeah Netflix. yeah no it's good it's like wow everything looks like it's on the bbc in the 90s <laughs> um, i need to i also i realized i have a blu-ray player now because i finally bought a ps4 oh, yeah. a few months ago so i should i should probably get a blu-ray and see what that looks like on my on my uh relatively inexpensive wire cutter recommended oled 4k tv do blu-rays do 4k i can't remember like if this is something Blu-rays are a format from like 2006, which is right. a super long time ago now. Yeah. Yeah, me either. It'll you, look way better than Netflix, could, and that's you all could I care about. Probably plug an SD card into your with a pirated 4K movie on it. You know what I really want to do on this TV is I want to play an up version of SSX3 because the first time I ever lived in a place where we had a big TV, the first time I really, really felt it was playing SSX3 on, I think it was on the Xbox, like the original Xbox. Yeah. And so it's still an SD game. It's fucking beautiful. I, I think that, I don't, I don't know if they've ever figured out how to emulate the original Xbox actually. 
But I think that game was on like the GameCube, and I bet Dolphin will do what you want. I don't know if that would look very good, though. Maybe they'll just remake SSX3 for like the Switch. They might. That's a snowboarding game, right? Yeah. There's a, I'm pretty sure there's like a snowboarding MMO on Steam that you can just. You know, I bought Steep and then didn't really play it. That's, much. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. I should, I don't think it's an MMO. Well, I, I had gotten the impression that it was like a. A game about making tea. <laughs> that it was a uh, a game with many other players in it. Hmm. I could, maybe, maybe Steep was not the one I was thinking of. Yeah, that's it, though. Has anyone been playing any video games? I could go. go. I could talk about video games. Talk about them, Jim. So I played a game. Um, I'm not sure if this is the name of it, but I went to a URL that I'm looking up right now, hauntedgarage.games, and you would expect that to be like a menu because because games is plural, but I guess you can't pick your top-level domain. You have to do the one that they sell to you. Because um, .game is still like thousands of dollars a domain. Oh, right? that's that's probably why, yeah. Um, and it is a sort of a mist-like thing where you are presented with a machine that you can make music with and as you figure out, as the game decides you've figured out how to use the machine, you unlock, like you get like an experience point system where you can unlock other weird music machines. And as you gain levels, you can put more of them in the scene at once and play music with them all at once. And I, I, I got like something like eight of these things going at once and it was real cacophonous. Hmm. It's, and you play this in a browser? It is a browser game, huh. yeah. I'm going to look at this later today. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I couldn't figure out if there was like an end game or anything like that, or if the end game is is making a cool jam. The end game is just making a recreation of the song End Game by R.E.M.? That would be very tricky because none of those instruments were in this game. No, there's no like, a, I don't actually remember that song. A mandolin. Oh, I mean, I, I'm just I'm just thinking of like the REM songs I do know, and assuming it's the same. Uh, and I'm going to put this in the video game category. I read the book Meanwhile. Oh, good. Oh. Um, which is a interactive sort of comic book structured like a. It, it's it's a very it's structured in a very strange way where you. Instead of following the panels like you would follow text on a page, you read a panel and then there's a line that connects it to the next panel in the sequence. And sometimes these lines go in very non-intuitive orders and sometimes they go off the page. And if they go off the page, then there's there is usually this. And I feel like when this didn't happen, it was a bug, like a printing error. Uh, usually there is a tab that receives the line and you turn you grab that tab and you turn to the page that it's attached to and the line will continue on that page uh and there's this whole like foreword at the beginning of the book about how they used a sun microcomputer like a like an sgi or something like some unconvincing you know 
sort of a mainframe kind of thing uh, to um, to write a program to lay out the the book to lay, lay out how all the all the um, to fit like a to fit all the stories together in in a book form, which is definitely going to be an interesting puzzle. Zach, is everything okay? What's happening with your phone? Riff just texted because his SD card filled up, so he has dropped off of the recording for a minute. But, okay, uh, he's he's fixing it, so I I think I can edit around. Okay, do, do you want to so, do a clap again when he's no, back? I don't. Yeah, yes, you might we want will. to. Okay, when he'll he... have to start a new file. Yeah, that's true. He'll he'll have to start a new file. Yeah. So okay, should I wait? No, we're fine. Okay, he's already read this. I think so. He's yeah, yeah. Um, Plus, he can just listen to this when the episode comes out. Aw. Um, and the story that it tells is kind of like, a the, like the creator tried to come up with a, a plot contrivance that was thematically resonant with the idea of, of like, uh, alternate realities, branching paths in the simplest way possible, which is just to like, put you in a room with machines that alter time or the, that do like that do things related to, to that idea. And so like, it's kind of unconvincing from a storytelling perspective. Um, but it does go interesting places, including like, if you start browsing the, uh, the book, uh, at random, instead of following the story, you can find interesting stuff there too. There's some stuff you can only find. Hmm. In fact, Right, yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, that's kind of cool. And is that then is that woven into the narrative that like you found this by uh, the story? It becomes about that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Is this? There are no. Are there words in this? Yeah, yeah. There's dialogue. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I'm more interested in it knowing that there's dialogue. I think I thought of it as just a wordless comic. No, there's a lot of exposition, in fact. Hmm. And are there? Do you you make choices, or yeah, you 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 choose things like the first thing the game where the this, I'm I'm I, I, I'm putting it in this game category because it's effectively a game. The first thing the book has you choose is whether you want chocolate or vanilla ice cream, and one of the choices just ends the story immediately with you going home and telling your dad what you what what ice cream you picked basically and that's the end um and that was the only ending that i found that was like a happy ending for that character uh but then like it well the other the other happy endings so i i i i um probably shouldn't have put it that way because the the other happy ending that I found was one of the ones that you can't get to by following the uh, lines. Anything else? Uh, continuing to replay Breath of the Wild, which I'm still digging. I was, I was worried that like, I, uh, I was worried that like knowing too much about it or like, I think what I was worried about was the, like the um the pace of progress when I first played that game was kind of 
it felt a little bit slow in terms of the irritation of climbing a wall mm-hmm. um was just kind of just barely balanced with the um novelty the novelty of like being in this open open zelda world um and like as you get further in that game you get better at climbing the wall the irritations go away um and the novelty wears off but kind of commensurately and so it 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 held my um interest the entire time i played it and on replay um i was worried that like well the novelty isn't there but the irritation is going to be there in the early game um and that it turns out uh it it got mitigated by the fact that i just knew where to go to get the um to get the important upgrades so like i just made a beeline for the for the 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 bird dungeon that gives you the uh the ability that that um that eases your your climbing issues Every time I tried to find one of the dungeons, I just got killed and then respawned back where I started and just quit. I I, I don't really understand, like, what I was doing wrong that made it just impossible for me to find any of the plot to that game. Probably that I didn't care about it, but I really did want to go get the mobility upgrades from the dungeons, but I could never get to any of them because the environment would kill me. And I think I was just coming at it wrong. Maybe like I did a lot. I've been doing a lot of just running past enemies. Um, and sometimes that means like, you know, as you're running past them, you just happen to take an arrow that takes 90% of your health. And then you have to, you know, eat a couple of meals instantly to, uh, to get it back and then run past them again. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how to advise you on that because I feel like it's just a matter of, running past them better i guess or was it like when you say the environment killed you do you mean enemies or do you mean like no i mean like i would try to go to a dungeon and i would just get to a place in the world that i couldn't survive oh like like the the volcano because it was too hot or because it was too cold or whatever yeah. or i would just get to like no you, you're not allowed into this city and i'm like okay there must be some puzzle for getting into this city but then i realized oh, i don't know if i've got to get into this city to go to this dungeon like it's right yeah those are all things those are all those are all problems you have to solve yeah like you you find uh, clothing or uh, a potion or or a particular or in kind the other of case I guess it's also clothing yeah. that 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 solves that problem. Yeah, it, it's a uh, the the only um, I'm trying to think of like I don't actually remember what all the what all the the dungeon rewards do, but the only one that really I think would alleviate it for you is the. There's one that just lets you jump really high. The bird dungeon, right. yes. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. And the other ones are like, well, the the elephant one kind of just is like if you get killed, you get a um You get you get an extra yeah, life. You get like basically. It, um, it gives you like the fairy in the bottle effect kind of thing. And I think like those are the two best ones. I think the other two were kind of like a little disappointing, but I can't really remember what they are. Um there's the, there's the shield one. But and then yeah what does that do you can you can you have to turn it on and then you can like mitigate a bunch of damage but it, you have to have it active okay yeah that yeah that that's not interesting to me that's just like yeah yeah it's We're just an application of a number to some math in the game <laughs> right 
Um, but to get to the bird dungeon, I remember like I, I went through some like a cold environment, which you can like you can eat spicy food or wear warmer clothing. How did you know? Did you just like look up in a wiki where the bird dungeon is? Uh, you can actually see it in the sky. You like, see a bird. You see, but you're you, you. So then you're going towards it, but from where? Like you could be anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I remember right, the landscape that so that's uh, the bird is circling above the place you go, which is a yeah. town. Um, and the town is like a spire surrounded by mountains, and so if you if I if I remember right, at least like no matter what direction you approach it from you will be on top of a mountain as you see it and then you can like look at the landscape to see like how do you get there from here and there there's definitely like sometimes um sometimes it's it's hard to get to to figure out how to get where you're going but it's never a maze it's very very rarely a maze um yeah, I get like the thing that kept bouncing me off of it was that I would be trying to get somewhere, fuck up and die. Yeah. And then the last twenty minutes of fucking around in the world was just undone. Yeah. I don't remember how often it auto saves, but it's not that often. But you can do manual saves. Can you? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I the first time I played it at least I, I I significantly exploited the manual saves. Like um, to the extent where that, like, I figured out that if you save before, or if you save while monsters are attacking you, when you load the save, they won't know you're there. Hmm. Like they'll have forgotten about you. Wow, hmm. I didn't know that. Which is a weird, it's a weird exploit. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I seem to remember doing that on purpose. And I, one of the things that I've been enjoying about this is like I just. Not just, but like I had played it with Zelda One in my mind, and like the idea of Zelda One being kind of impenetrable if you didn't grow up playing it. Um, and I think that things like the the Korok seed puzzles are a pretty like I I I feel like that kind of fills the same niche as the like burning bushes to find find a treasure in Zelda One. Yeah, Zelda One had a map in the book though it right? did it but a map in the instruction manual which didn't tell you where like it didn't tell you there were some things that were hidden but i think most of the like dungeons that were hidden there's only one dungeon in the first quest that was hidden under a tree and it was like a tree that blocked a path through it was a, forest. a, a weird was like looking a weirdly that, placed tree yeah. yeah well then there was the dungeon you had to blow a whistle to uncover mm, yeah i guess that's true but um but things like you know you you one of the cool coolest things about that game is burning a tree and like there's there's a cave under there with a treasure in it like that's a a very evocative idea um and this sort of fills the same niche in a way that's a little bit more like you're actually paying attention to your environment mm -hmm. and um and solving a puzzle that you see as opposed to just like burning in the mo in most cases, like when you bomb a, a rock or burn a tree, there's not really in that game at least there's not really a, any indication that it's bombable. And like in, in Breath of the Wild, there's bombable walls as well with secrets behind them, but they are like a they're noticeably differently textured. 
Um, but it's subtle enough that you feel like you notice something f- by seeing it. Hmm. And so there's definitely like a, an aspect of, there has to be enough visual noise or, or environmental n- noise that you feel like noticing something is meaningful. And there wasn't really enough, I would argue even in, in Link to the Past, there wasn't really enough visual noise to make like noticing a bombable crack meaningful. It felt like it, 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 in that game, it feels more like you see it because it's really obvious. Yeah. I mean, that was what it was the Tevis Thompson's criticism of a link to the past or the series from a link to the past on where yeah. it's just like bombs are just a different kind of key. I think that's accurate. Um, and I like, I, that essay, I feel like I agreed with it, but also Zelda, the whole series, except for the first game, is a certain kind of thing. And it felt a little bit disingenuous to say, like, no, that should, should just be that thing that it was just for just that one time. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was except kind that, of like, I think it's fantastic well. that. Yeah. Except that I also think it's fantastic that Breath of the Wild actually is kind of that thing again. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm a big fan of that thing. So but it's a different. I mean, it's a different and new thing, it's, right? It, I mean, yeah, the yeah, reason it's, that it's Breath modernized. of the Wild is good is because it's different and new, which is the reason that The Legend of Zelda One was good when it came out. Right. I mean, that's a good way to put it. Zelda Two was also different and new, but kind of sucked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and like looking back on it, I'm not sure I could actually say Zelda One is that good a game. Like nowadays, in in a modern context, I. I went and saw uh, Four Rooms at the Alamo Draft House oh, yeah. the other night, and there is a scene in that movie where they are playing the NES game Rambo. <laughs> There's like the Tim Roth's character calls someone, and it's just like some like stoned like college girls playing Rambo on the NES. What a interesting choice! Right, I thought of that because Rambo on the NES is very clearly influenced by. Zelda 2 and and it came out in the US before Zelda 2 and so I had this weird experience of believing that Zelda 2 was a weird Rambo ripoff (laughs) so like they it so Zelda 2 came out in Japan and they rushed through development of Rambo oh you can tell that not a lot of time was spent okay fair enough yeah yeah um but yeah, it just had very similar, like, it used, like, the same font in the numbers that would fly out of enemies when you killed them with your knife, which you could swing high or swing low uh, to represent the experience points that you earned for killing them. And it was, like, huh. yeah. it didn't have an overworld, but just, like, in the way that combat worked, it was just very, like, wow, this is very much like Zelda 2. Um, That's interesting. I remember really liking that game, but I bet it is not any good at all. Zelda 2? No. The Ram- Rambo game. Rambo. Yeah. I remember Zelda 2 is the game that taught me about disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't get behind that game. Like, it does a lot of interesting things, but, like, I just cannot get behind a Zelda game with a life system. It just, oh, like a, you have a number of lives. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. It's weird and also, like, you know, you fall into a pit and that's the same thing as like losing an extended combat sequence. Right. Like the, you're punished the same for it. And 
later Zelda games would do this weird thing where like that that thematically makes no sense where you fall into a pit and then you wake up in the room where you ent- like you wake up at the door to the room with one less heart which is like okay and kind of necessary for gameplay but thematically is is just, just like did you just hallucinate that <laughs> <laughs> you were carried out of the pit by a giant eagle yeah. not pictured Right. Who ate one of your hearts? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Oh the God! Guide. The idea that <laughs> oh, when Link was born, hearts. he had three hearts, <laughs> and <laughs> and that you. Acquire I, well, I think more what's happening the there is gameplay, like so you have twenty hearts beating yeah. inside your chest by the end. Oh. <laughs> right, right. And when you get hit, they get emptied of blood, yeah. oh. or just removed. <laughs> right. If you... Yeah, you're finding new ones, yeah. Or do you think those hearts are just heart-shaped globs of blood? <laughs> just heart-shaped scabs? Like like, like Jello uh, jigglers. Ugh, God. Could you make... How much... How much of the water could you replace with blood and still make jello ah. jigglers? <laughs> like, that were, that were cohesive. Like, they were, like, what jiggly? Would, yeah. Well, I feel like blood pudding proves that this is possible. Oh, yeah. That's Maybe 100% you can even do it entirely blood. With blood. Huh? <laughs> but the I blood pudding would... is not like a jello jiggler. But well, it, does it jiggle? <laughs> I don't. Where can we get. You could do it with like cow's blood, right? Like you can surely just buy some cow blood from a butcher. You don't need to buy blood, man. <laughs> I. Well, <laughs> you could just. It's real easy it to free. come by. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a safe way of extracting it. Nor uh, <laughs> this is like like you go to the grocery store and you buy ice. You got ice in the fridge, you... <laughs> right? It's like like maybe... going to the grocery store and asking them for some cold air. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe if there's a party and like oh I can't make enough blood safely for this party, so you go buy some blood right. at the butcher. I gotta make blood jigglers for two hundred people. Oh God. <laughs> Do you think that's the party that that Jesus threw? The like the rave was like, <laughs> eat this jiggler. It is my blood. <laughs> Literally, well, but he only had to bleed out for one, right? And then he could just make. Oh, true. He, Jesus can make an infinite number of Jello jigglers out of one Jello jiggler. <laughs> um, nobody talks about Jello jigglers anymore, and they don't. They don't advertise Jello jigglers anymore. It wasn't like a product, right? Like it was no, just yeah. you'd buy some extra flavorless gelatin. Yeah, I or think just it was a way the to water make Jello in, in regular Jello. Yeah, right. It was so much better than regular Jello. Oh, like, I, to the point I where don't, I don't understand I don't why that wasn't just the only product. Oh, God, I thought the, just, the texture like, make and it even firmness thicker. of them was too weird for me. I couldn't take it. No, to make it firmer, make it uh, firmer, or leave it sitting out to dry out for a while. Oh God, no! Just that, How like fucking oh. leathery. Oh my Shallow God! It's the How worst. Do you Jolly Ranchers. Just slam it into my veins. Oh God, I love it. I love just chomping them <laughs> and then like prying my teeth apart and just feeling the roots <laughs> so tear out. So is this like fruit leather? Like I guess I don't. Maybe I haven't had these. I don't really like fruit leather that much. No, it's okay. a, it's just like it's like a soup skin, except it's on your Jello, yeah, and it's just great. like chewy, but your teeth cut right through it. It's not like it sounds like a eating experience I want to have. Yeah. 
I wonder if you can just buy Jello Jigglers on Amazon Prime. Just already made <laughs> Jello Jigglers. Same day shipping. Or if there's like, if you could open a store, maybe there's a store in San Francisco that's just like stuff that the last time you had it was when your grandma made it for you. So like, um, you can go there and get like kind of weird extra salty scrambled eggs. Oh yeah. Or uh, like small hamburger patties yeah. on a plate. <laughs> Those Christmas um, cookies that or, don't yeah, taste some... like anything at all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the thing like that for me was it wasn't my grandma, but it was a friend of mine had a um a half Mexican friend's Mexican mom made what they called chilaquiles, but I've tried ordering chilaquiles in restaurants and it's not like this. And it's just like corn tortillas fried in an insane amount of butter with scrambled eggs then added to the pan hmm. and then like salt and cumin, pepper. Um delicious hmm. this is a delicious breakfast food yeah i've seen people do that like they 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 go the other way around instead of like ripping up a corn tortilla and then frying it they take a, a tortilla chip and then wet it with salsa and you get basically the same thing as a result but you come at it from the other direction they're both revolting yeah <laughs> soggy uh, no you know what make them just rock hard rock hard tortilla chips mm -hmm. like thick ass just like eating glass tortilla <laughs> uh -huh. chips that's what i crave uh-huh and you get, get them near some just show them some salsa <laughs> just hold them against the side of a jar of salsa okay. that's enough salsa have you tried eating like a, a whole uh, an uncracked egg i feel <laughs> like that would be pretty Pretty close experience to what you're asking for. It's oh, like it'd sort of be egg, like but... a meat gusher, like a fruit gusher, except an egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just make scotch eggs without peeling the eggs. <laughs> Surprise. Scotland is fucking terrible. Uh, I fed an egg to a horse once. Huh. <laughs> that seems like it would lose a lot of the... <laughs> Did it not like like? It seems like as soon as a horse bit into the egg, the whole egg would just pour out of the horse's mouth. And it would just be eating the shell. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, that sucks. Did that so horse? This is a fun prank to play on a horse. <laughs> I I I don't know. I don't know, man. I I just given it a peppermint, huh. and it liked that one. And so, like, and then it was sniffing at the egg I was holding, and I was like, can I give it the egg? And uh, the horse person <laughs> said, yeah, go ahead. Why were you holding a raw egg? Uh, there were also chickens on this farm. It was a home walking. ec project where you were like, I have to pretend this is your baby. I just fed this horse my baby's skin. And a peppermint skin. in the other. And... <laughs> Look, look, this is the life I lead, all right? <laughs> Don't kink shame me. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, Kevin? Uh, I've, I've only had uh, a little bit of, of time to play games. I played a uh, Switch, or a game that came out on Switch that I think I had seen at a con somewhere or other. It was called Typo Man. You you play as a little character made out of letters, and you are finding letters in this sort of puzzle platformer environment, and you make words that then change the environment. Like, there'll be a door that's closed, and you find 
O-P-E-N-N and spell open and then a door opens and that kind of stuff. Um, it's huh, Yeah, I remember seeing that at Indiecade. Does it... Um, yeah. I, I As I recall, our conversation was, will they be able to stretch that into an entire video game? Yeah, and so I'm, I've played a couple hours of it and it's... It's continuing to do new and interesting things. I got to a point where they just sort of gave me a letter bank, and I had I could make whatever I wanted out of, I think, like 10 or 12 possible letters, and that was kind of almost overwhelming because I could think of a bunch of words that I could make, and I was curious which ones of them they would support, and so I just started making a bunch of, le- of words, and some of them they had sort of weird bespoke animations that didn't do anything um and it took me a while to sort of hit on that like what i was actually supposed to do to like solve the puzzle or whatever but in in the meantime i just tried a bunch of other random words and sometimes they had it it feels like that that sort of uh what is it scribble knots problem where you you can theoretically just put whatever you want in and like they spent a ton of time trying to support anything they could think people would reasonably enter into the game um and that's that's just yeah. I feel like Typo Man's probably a much smaller team, uh, so it's much harder to actually do that. Thinking back on like Master Swords, where we we wrote like custom text for what what ten thousand of the most common English words. It's not it's not so bad when all you have to do is write a line of dialogue. But if you had to like come up with an animation or some sort of weird mechanical thing for mm, each yeah. one, of those, I think that would be really rough. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would watch a GDC talk about the making of Scribble Knots. I would find that way more interesting than actually playing Scribble Knots. I hmm. think. Yeah. I would like to know how they did that. I, mean, I think they just threw a tremendous amount of resources behind it, right? Like just time and energy. Yeah, but how they optimized for they 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 had to have optimized for doing it quickly, right? Uh, and I'm probably, curious yeah. how. Yeah, they yeah, they had a lot of stuff that, that was right. obviously considered synonyms of of other things, so sure. they they probably fudged a lot of that. Yeah, that's that's basically yeah. All, just all playing it, you can see a little bit of what that talk would be like. Just the the shortcuts that they that are obvious that they took. Yeah. Like if you uh, if you typed in Nittany Lion, it would put a puma in there because those are the same thing. I learned that from a crossword puzzle the other day. <laughs> this is also known as a Nittany Lion. Where the fuck is Nittany? Where they they where the idiots there call pumas lions? <laughs> well, it's it's probably uh, like a case of colonialists. Mm. Uh, like going to Nittany and they're like, oh, yes, this is what they have instead of lions. I think that's where the word nitwit came from. <laughs> like you're as dumb as someone from Nittany. <laughs> probably. Who think pumas are and, lions. And probably like probably Nittany has an actual name and they were just like, oh, yes, we've discovered this new country. Mm. We'll call it Nittany. Oh, and the people there were like, uh, it is France. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else, Kevin? Nope, that's that's all I've really had time to to play. I've been when I haven't been doing random stuff around Australia, I have been trying to get work done. Uh, it's been harder. It's been a lot harder to like find solid chunks of time to do work than I was sort of hoping slash expecting. Um, 
I think I think the difference from the previous sort of work trips that we've taken is that we were in the same place for a long time, so we could like set up and then we would go do something fun, but then we we could come back and we would have our like work stuff set up, and so it was much easier to transition. But I've been moving around so much that it's I feel like I lose all of those advantages. Um, and there's always you always are in a new place and wanting to do new things, so it's it's much harder, um, which makes me a little concerned about the super the back half of this trip which is basically just a single continuous road trip through new zealand so we'll see maybe you can get the eagles to fly you so it'll be faster yeah (laughs) yeah what's your what's your work setup do you just use a laptop yeah i brought two laptops with me um actually my backpack is just is just incredibly full of electronics i've got two laptops uh a switch for doing a little bit of switch related work and for playing like assignments and stuff for this um some backup batteries the audio recording gear um and then like cords and cables oh, yeah, and, that's, and stuff like that so that's a bunch of stuff yeah, yeah i was thinking like if you like what if you, what what does it take to set up to to get set up uh, your work environment and if it involves like taking things out of a bag and connecting them together, that's way more effort than just <laughs> sitting down and pulling out a laptop. Yeah, sometimes I can get work done with just one laptop, but a lot of times I need to like spread out on a surface with a bunch of objects. So, yeah, Microsoft Surface. Yeah, exactly. Do they have those in Australia? They're yeah, but the Surface is on the other surface side. Of Microsoft Surface. Okay. It's like the bottom of your coffee table is a touchscreen. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what the Vita was like. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. You fondle the back of it. What, about what have you been playing, Riff? What have you been playing? Uh, you can't. Crossfire. You have to fight. <laughs> Both of you talk at once and then... Well, it'll save time. Oh man, if we were in the same room, we could do that thing that they do in improv, where you say this, you're saying the same thing at the same time. Oh God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll I'll go first since it's short because I haven't played anything new. I've just been playing Pokemon, and I played ridiculous fishing for like two hours before bed last night. That game is still really fun. Huh? It's a good game. Did you like reset your progress and start over? No, I was I was just cleaning out the phone of of like I'm never going to play this game again. I'm never going to play this. Oh, hey, look, ridiculous fishing. <laughs> and then it was 2 hours later. <laughs> <laughs> I I I have have a hard time imagining like that game holding my interest without the upgrade system in place. Yeah, the the upgrades are are pretty necessary to to drag you along. But did you start over, or did had you not like beaten it? No, before? yeah, I had I had not beaten it. I was one fish away from unlocking the last area. Hmm. Uh, okay. Did you did you finish it? Uh, nope. But I did manage to unlock the last area. <laughs> okay. So you played for two hours and caught one fish. <laughs> well, no, I I played for two hours and. Uh, made enough money to buy the upgrade that let me start the last zone 300 meters from the top. And that that allowed me to get to the bottom where a fish that I had not yet caught was. So yeah, I guess two hours and I caught one right. fish. <laughs> one new fish. One, one new fish. Yeah. One blue fish. 
One, one borrowed fish. fish. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I have played other than uh, the assignment is I did not uh, know this, but Knucklecracker, the uh, studio that makes the Creeper World games, released oh. a, a new game last year. Oh, yeah. Um, called Particle Fleet Colon Emergence. Huh. Okay. Um, Tell me more. Which is not a not a great name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it it's like they're starting a series, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's similar uh, to Creeper World in the sense of there being like you're basically fighting a cellular automata. That's what this episode is about: is just cellular automata. Um, but you're in space and you are, the campaign has like pre-made spaceships that you gain access to, but there's also a custom mode, which has like a ship builder where you can sort of construct ships out of parts. Um, cool. And you're, you're, you're like taking control of area and setting up defenses against the like sort of encroaching weird cells that are flying out at you. They're just like these kind of like red uh, bacteria-looking things that that fly around, and they learn new tricks as you go through the campaign. I was having a tremendous amount of fun with the campaign, and then I got to the what I believe is the last or the next-to-last mission, and there's just this massive, extremely unfair-seeming difficulty spike that I have no idea how I'm supposed to deal with. And so I kind of just... Like, I was playing a ton of it for a few days, and then I got to that, and I was like, hmm... That really kind of soured me on the whole thing. I've been playing through some of the, like, there's some other, like, scenarios in it that are just kind of a one-off skirmish with some weird gimmick, and those are pretty fun. So I might continue to go through those. There's, like, user-created levels, and it's a very, like, customizable game, but you don't have to do any customizing. So this is like a real-time strategy kind of a thing? Yeah. Was the Creeper World series also that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Creeper World, uh, did you ever play, there was a game on congregate called the space game no um i don't think that this is the same people but it's a very similar thing basically you in creeper world you are building a a network Network. of nodes that cover territory and gather energy and the energy is used to build new parts of the node or to build like guns that are fed by the node and there's like a kind of a sludge that is expanding out of emitters and filling in territory. You're looking at it from the top down. It's it's like a 2D game, but the depth of the sludge is rep- like if you mouse over it, you can see like the topology or the topography. Like this is how low this area is and this is how much sludge is on it. And so there's like some weapons are better against deep sludge and some weapons are better for shallow sludge and your goal is to kind of like slowly eke out territory until you can kind of cap off each of the sludge emitters and then and then you win by like collecting a thing that's in the in hostile territory. And that there was a sequel that was a similar thing but it was side on um so gravity was a factor and then the third one went back to being top down they're working on a fourth one now um but this one is different there's it has a lot of things in common with creeper world in the way that it works uh there is like the kind of territory there are like asteroids that you can put these things on that start to spread out like area of energy generation that helps your other stuff work um you're sort of 
figuring out like uh, how many ships can I build without sort of overextending my energy usage, right? Because like if I run out of energy, then the existing defenses are weaker. But like if I, I it takes energy to both build new things and to power the existing things, and so it's a lot of just like wait for them to launch an attack and then you know in the downtime build a new ship. Um, it's got like. The storylines of all of these games are very like this is thirty thousand years in the future, just kind of weird sci-fi storylines. Um, they're not bad, they're not badly written, but they're nothing to. They're not the focus of it. It's right. just like a, it's just like a lightweight RTS, shortish missions. It's pretty satisfying. Shall we talk about our assignment? Sure. Yeah. Sounds ape, good. Ape out. What a shame that game the name Ape Escape stylish. was already taken. <laughs> yeah. This game is extremely stylish, but also, like, kind of nothing to play. I found it, yeah. yeah I, that was sort of my like, I, I found it kind of too, frustrating, like, like, yeah. Like, a yeah. bunch of just, it was just, like, oozing audiovisual style. Yeah. Uh, but, like, kind of empty in some ways, like... There is a bit of interesting stuff that happens, and there are a couple of cool mechanics that they use here and there. I, I liked the near the end of the game in the outro where you were like releasing other animals, and then those were sort of fighting on your side. That was kind of a fun thing, but I kind of wish that there had been more yeah, that, sort of novelty in the. Yeah, if that anything like game. that had happened while I played it, I might have kept playing it. Mm. Yeah, I got I got to like the second album. Uh, so yeah. like you're you're an ape running around in a two dimensional environment, and for the most part, you're just like grabbing dudes and using them as a human shield, or th- pushing dudes into a wall so that they explode. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're pretty fragile, so you're you're kind of using the environment to your advantage to avoid getting shot because you can't get shot that many times before it's game over. Um, and and some it's... weapons late late game, you just get a shot once and you're 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 dead. It's kind of it's rough. It's I wish that I wish that Jake Rodkin were here so that I could ask him what the style is called, like the visual style of like the credit sequence from Bewitched. Like it's a thing that I associate with the sixties. Kind of. It's yeah, like, Saul Bass. That makes sense, yeah. Um where like and, and a thing that I really like seeing in modern uh graphic stuff too is like this is an area of a solid color with a texture applied to it mm-hmm. right. it's like i don't know how they did it in the 60s like was it just a piece of paper with a texture taking a picture of yeah. um yeah the most interesting thing about this game i thought and i didn't even notice it while i was playing i had to read about it was the dynamic music system mm-hmm yeah, there's like jazz drums playing like a Birdman style soundtrack to the yeah. actions that you're performing. And apparently it's all just simulated improvisation, basically. Yeah, that's like, you know, they spent a bunch of time and energy making the adaptive music system for Monkey Island 2 and nobody cared because right. when you're when you make a really, really good version of an adaptive music system like nobody, the best version of it is the one that no one notices nobody notices that it it's happening yeah. yeah so it's like i don't it's weird like i wanted to uh, yeah i 
I wanted to do something kind of similar to this in a future game, and I am way less excited about it having seen it in action. <laughs> right. No. I mean, I, like... I really liked it in this. The 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 symbol crashes when you smash a dude were uh, extremely satisfac uh, sad satisfactory satisfaction generating. Satisfying. 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 Thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Satisfaction generating. <laughs> I can't. I don't know why I, I won't fit. This get no is too long for the crossword. <laughs> <of it. laughs> what oh. what uh, what mainly frustrated me about it was that, like in a Hotline Miami, you can you can get through a level by learning the level like comprehensively. Like I need to to kill this guy with the door and grab his gun and use it to shoot that guy and then throw it at that guy and then this guy will come out of this and door. And you can also look at the screen and see most of the level. Yeah. And and uh and in this it's because it's randomly generated every time you can't do that. So you have to play entirely on on reaction. But every sixth guy will explode and kill you when you throw him into the wall. So you can't really trust your reactions. But and then I, they're, I tell they're you, visually I, differentiated. I mean, the, they, the, they the are, but not are, that much. Ones. Like, I mean, if you the, like the if, if you're if you're running is... on Twitch reflexes, I, I rarely spotted the fact that that guy was going to explode in time to stop from grabbing him and throwing him into the wall, you know? And like, I, I, I could have played like more carefully and methodically, but I feel like that would have been in direct contrast to the speed of the music and, and flow that they were trying to encourage in the game. Yeah. They clearly want you to, to run in there and ape out. Yeah. So to speak, the, the, way the world is presented is so homogenous that I didn't notice it was proc gen. Even like even I didn't notice it was changing level. from one run to the next. Huh. Yeah. It just, I, I just assumed it was proc gen because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Right? It's not like, it's just basically a bunch of rectangles. It's that's probably not true that like probably a lot of thought went into the level generation and then it resulted in a homogenous mess. Right. You know, what is it? Kate, Compton's thing about a, a million nearly identical bowls of oatmeal, <laughs> right. like the result of a specific kind of granularity of generation. Yeah. Uh, there's like eight levels and then you move on to a second album, which was like, then uh, you're going down from the top of a sky skyscraper. And so mm -hmm. on every level you can throw guys out the window also is another way hmm. of, uh, but it's another thing you, you have to not, fly out the window um that one i didn't get far enough to ever make it to i didn't ever get far enough to learn how far in the first checkpoint is and so i assumed it was infinitely far in and just kind of never went back to it um man i first started playing this game with a keyboard and mouse and that was fucking impossible wow yeah and i, I thought I, wow that. i am never going to get even a baseline competence at playing this game and I, that makes me sad I and then i played this game with the keyboard fun. and mouse and it was terrible yeah and okay i just thought it was a bad game um so that's yeah so you you move around with WASD, um and it's camera relative motion but your the way you move um is dependent on the direction you're facing like if you're moving uh backwards or to the side from where you're facing you were moving slower 
So if you want to move around, you pointer. You're you're always facing a mouse pointer. Yeah. Oh, God, that I mean, sounds. This is so also exa- This is exactly terrible. how Hotline Miami controlled, which is why I well, never understood why anyone liked Hotline Miami. Hotline but I guess- Miami doesn't have that the problem I described of like you're moving slower if you're not moving towards the mouse. That's true. Which is huge. So like it means switch, that if you're trying to run around at top speed, you need to like move the mouse to where you're going and also navigate your your dude right. there with the keyboard. Yeah, with uh, you know, I, I'm assuming this is true on a controller on the PC, but on the Switch it was just left joystick to move and right joystick to aim. But yeah. if you didn't use the right joystick, you would just be facing the way that you were moving. Right. Which, yeah, I, I feel like that makes way, way, way more sense. It sounds like keyboard and keyboard yeah, I mouse agree. controls were just sort of a afterthought because that's ridiculous. And like, there's no way, there's no reason rather that they had to do it that way. They could have made you like face the direction you're moving in until you attacked, for example. Right. Yeah, the, I, I mean, the only, I'm sure no, that the they only tried that to would, make it good, right? It can't be as simple as... Yeah. When you will sometimes want to be moving one direction and aiming another direction when you're, like, holding a steel door that you want to use as a shield, say. Oh, yeah, that's true. But that's that's pretty rare compared to... Oh, and there's no there's no such thing as not actively pointing with the mouse like right. in on a stick you can let go and it'll recenter but you, you could just let have go to the hold mouse. a button yeah. down or something yeah yeah that'd be a good input on the mouse to to just mouse is not being touched right now would be uh maybe you could simulate it by like seeing if it's moved recently. I don't know. Or just put a put a thermometer in it. Yeah. Check the temperature. Uh-huh. <laughs> or have a webcam pointing at it. <clears throat> or I guess you'd have to check the differential, right? If you if you're touching it, it's probably getting warmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if you put like a ball so... in the bottom of it and then when uh-huh. so it would roll around on this ball and then when the pressure was being exerted on it the ball would push upward into a button on the inside okay uh-huh no bad ideas keep going every <laughs> once in a while i think about uh i think about how much time i used to have to spend cleaning the balls of mice and how <laughs> shitty they were if you didn't do it. Yeah. I enjoyed it when you worked in the university I just, lab. Yeah. I like it's so nice to not ever have to think about that. And I never, you know, it's like when you're not sick, you don't appreciate like, <laughs> oh, my nose isn't all stuffed up. Ah, my nose isn't mm-hmm. all stuffed up. You take a minute to do that. Like every time I use a mouse, I should be thinking, man, remember how shitty mice were in the 90s? <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to is is gratitude is a uh, a good way to stay happy. The only con- contradiction that I have for, for is how you annoying it is to use welcome, a, an optical mouse on like a glass table or something. So you always carry a cloth mouse pad with you wherever you go. Sure. Or just a pants leg. <laughs> <laughs> just like a spare pants leg that you <laughs> no, to a mouse like pad. put the mouse oh. on your uh, leg. Uh, denim mouse pad. Hmm? Seems pretty good. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. 
That way, also, if you uh, if you need to wipe the like Cheeto dust off of your fingers, you can you can use them. <laughs> you could just wear those like jorts that have rollers. a zipper at the bottom, so that you can zip the pant leg onto it, and just zip the pant leg off whenever you need a mouse service. Mm. That's that's real good. God, having a jort with like uh, interchangeable legs. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You, you we'd be one step closer to Final Fantasy fashion. Just zippers everywhere. Yeah. And like one pant leg much longer than the other one. <laughs> uh, so uh, for our next assignment, we're going to play uh, the new Toe Jam and Earl game. Uh, Jim, why do you want to play the new Toe Jam and Earl game for our next yeah, assignment? Please explain this. Yeah, seemed cool. <laughs> well, okay. So it's so Kevin and Riff were kind of not excited about this when it was brought up. Do you know something I don't? No, I mean um, to be fair, you know, I just I don't, I don't know but... anything about Toe Jam and Earl. I just never it never seemed interesting to me. I don't like the word Toe Jam. Oh man. So you will I think you will find Toe Jam and Earl to be a very interesting game, especially in the context of its original release in like say 1991. I'm not going to say it's a good game. Uh, but it is actually super interesting, and we'll talk about that next episode. Uh, okay. The the new game, I don't know. It it a part of it is that I worked next to the people working on that game. I was watching them do it, so I kind of want to see where it went. Um, but also, like I like that I like the first game, and I think it was almost a really good co-op roguelike and maybe this is actually a good co-op roguelike the phrase toe jam has never bothered me because i think like i have this theoretical idea of what it means but whatever gross substance people's toes produce that is described that way my toes i guess don't yeah, my, yeah, I don't make I don't get that, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so I don't uh, when I hear toe jam, I think ouch. Like, <laughs> oh no, I've jammed my toe oh, by stubbing sure. it on a, yeah. the bedpost or something. Or like it doesn't You accidentally stepped in a jar of jam. Yeah. Hmm. I'm I'm less or disturbed by I have a jar of jam that's very very large and I have to pull it behind a truck. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm less turned off by the idea of toe jam than by the idea of a video game where they named one of the characters toe jam. But no, it was the 90s. Yeah, very well. Yeah, well, they should have they should have named them clacks instead of. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so they're aliens, but they're like rap aliens. Yeah. So the game is secretly. Um, this is something that Greg Johnson wrote about on Gamma Sutra, which is why I know it, because I wouldn't have realized it otherwise. The game is secretly like about black culture, about hip-hop culture. Is he black? He's black. He's half black. Okay. But you can't tell by looking at him. He looks like a white dude. Hmm. Which is how he, he became a successful video games. And... Dag. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was my little piece of hip-hop. That's, that's uh, a good 90s lingo. hip-hop lingo, yeah. Um, But it's also like a game like a, a a roguelike game heavily inspired by NetHack and Rogue I guess Rogue goes without saying um it, on consoles in the early 90s and that's a like the idea of like how can we take this sort of game design uh like text mode turn-based 
single player game and make it a two player uh graphics real graphics driven real time game uh and they i won't say they nailed it but they did they like i think they came close and i think it was just like some balance tweaks away from actually being a genuinely good game um it sounds like something that i would have played and liked but i think i found the title and the and the the sort of window dressing of it off-putting enough that, that i just yeah. assumed that it's something that i wouldn't be interested in yeah it it i bet you're still going to find it off-putting hmm. like i remember i'm the guy who liked pig eat ball so <laughs> sure <laughs> does toe jam like is one of your attacks to eat some of your own toe jam and then barf uh, you don't have attacks oh. this is uh the uh you don't have by default you can well, this is the original game. I don't know about the sequel, but in the original game, you can only walk around or push a button to sneak. And then, like, when you find um, find the presents, you can use the presents, but you don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and sometimes, that, which means that, like, when you find presents that actually do attack enemies, those are extremely rare and valuable. But for the most part, you are avoiding enemies. Hmm. What uh, can presents do bad things? Yes. Uh, there is one that just kills you. Oh. Um, hmm. That seems fun. It doesn't yeah, seem like a present. Uh, there's, there's one that um, that scrambles your knowledge of the presents. Uh, okay. So, uh, but there's one that like I mean it has to be a gamble or it's not the like the the that aspect of uh, the risk of item identification just isn't there. Um, but there are also like there's a present that like gives you angel wings for like 45 seconds and you can fly around instead of just walking around. Um, and there's a present that like uh, speeds you up, but you can't stop moving. So you get like uncontrollable rocket skates. So you can use How that to explore that really speeds quickly you up, or also but you can't fall move. off the map. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. They should have. You should be working on these games, Rick. <laughs> uh, I I just really dig the like the ethos of it. Like I actually do like the aesthetic a lot. So like probably that's not uh probably you can't trust me on that aspect of it. Do you think it was more exciting in Ghouls and Ghosts to get silver or gold armor? Because of all the times that stupid fucking magician turned you into a baby or a duck? Probably. Sure, yeah. You don't think they could have just had like a quarter as many treasure chests and had something cool in all of them? No, I, th I think I think it's... Uh, like, like, I'm not a gambler, but people sit at slot machines like all fucking day. Why was that magician inside? Like, is he just hanging out in a treasure chest surrounded by monsters in like the middle of like an earthquake or a oh, he flood, knows you're or, coming. He he's, does he's, like so. I, he's just got there just ahead of you. He yeah, wasn't. That's like, my guess. Yeah. Or maybe like those trunks, those chests, or maybe, are like just doors, different doors to his house. Maybe like he's, he's like a been, TARDIS. Maybe he's been like trapped there himself, like as as a, a way to protect the treasure. Hmm. Yeah, no like wonder he's, he's a, pissed. He's a captured gin. But there's no treasure. That's the thing. That what's he protect? Well, like, maybe he he's only it. in the ones that don't have treasure in them. So oh. what is this just his hell? Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe he ate the treasure. Maybe he ate your crossbow and Well no, those are in pots. 
Oh, right. Maybe the, it's... The weapons are stored in clay pots. The magicians are stored in treasure <laughs> There's chests. There's no magicians in the pots. Maybe that's, it's that's just good. a mimic that has a tongue no that is shaped the like magicians. There's no magicians in the pots. <laughs> so the hmm. mimics in uh, Toejam and Earl are mailboxes. But, okay. but that doesn't look like a present. No, no, the mimics are like, well, no, the, the just some of the mailboxes are scenery and some of them are enemies. Some of the mailboxes are mailboxes okay. and you can do make mail order things from them. Oh. And other mailboxes will kill you. Oh, good. <laughs> um okay, but when so when you mail order things, do some of them help you and some of them kill you? Uh yes, but <laughs> Try to only mail order the things that don't kill you. Can you do that on purpose? Do you have some agency if, there? If you know, well, so. Oh, do you ma- You can mail order like specific presents. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there's a guy who walks around dressed up like a carrot where if you give him, a, like, I think you can give him $2 and he will identify a present for you. Um, how do you get money? You just find it on the ground. Oh. Oh. Like you do. Um, yeah. When's the last time you found money on the ground? Hmm. I can't. You mean like, do you, do you count the floor of my house? No. That, yeah, not, that I can't not remember. Recently no, enough it's not recently enough that I remember. Yeah. I can't think of a time. It's definitely happened. But I can't think of a time. But this is a this is a power fantasy. Remember, like this is the a, a fan, every child's fantasy is finding money on the ground and then opening a present and, they and get dying. To, <laughs> they get to live out. Hey, don't knock it till you try it, man. <clears throat> okay. Do you, do you guys want to do a different assignment? That's, no, that's... I I want to know about Toe Jam and Earl. Like okay. I I have been curious about it, but never curious enough to actually like. It's it. it's what a even, really interesting game. What even system was it on? It was on the Genesis. Oh well, that's why I never played it. <laughs> who the fuck had one of those? <laughs> Not me. And when you were downloading ROMs for it, why would who would ever scroll all the way to the T's? <laughs> who would once you got to Shinobi? That was who all you needed. Use an emulator called Genesis. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Was that like was that the nesticle people? That was the nesticle people. Oh. <sighs> Gross. Uh gentlemen. I have had a fantastic time recording episode number three hundred sixty three of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. Uh you know, this is the only episode uh, for a really long time that uh is a palindrome where the middle digit is also the sum of the exterior digits. Oh, that's special. We're not going to have another one of these until 484. Yeah. And then after that, we're not going to have another one until 5,104. 5,105. Wait. <laughs> anyway. I, uh, I wanted to pitch one. <laughs> I wanted to mention one last thing. Uh, depending on how quickly this gets edited and posted, uh, you might still have some time to back the Zach-like design doc kickstarter thing so people should look at that it's it's all the zachtronics design docs basically for all their games it's like a 400 page book that they're putting out it's cool it's it's not like in danger of not funding right like they're no no it's totally funded it's 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 like 10x funding but but like if you want a hard copy ground floor that's that's how yeah because they're going to release it they're going to release a free pdf of it eventually uh uh, this is if you want an actual physical copy of it, which I think some people who listen to this might. Well, uh, go get that. 
by the thing. Cockaboo boobalaya. Good night. Good night. Have a great weekend.